welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. In this episode, we bring you one of the world's best karate practitioners, competitors, and teachers in Carlos Mayer Koch. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath, Isabella Rossitano. Arm wrestling influencer, Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer, Dave Stockbridge. This episode would not be possible without the support of our sponsors. And this week, we would like to highlight Carlos Meyer's karate school, Maya Karate Academy. Now, Carlos's family is heavily involved in karate at a world level. The family was personally invited by the Australian Karate Federation to teach their style here in Australia. They arrived in the country in 2015 and Carlos opened the doors to the Maya Karate Academy and began teaching his family's style, which is known as Shudokan. Carlos has now expanded his dojo to include a second location with his truly amazing talent and skill being passed on to the next generation of students Carlos has won multiple national championship titles both in Australia and in his native Mexico. Carlos had his sights set on competing in the Olympics for either Australia or Mexico. However, despite qualifying for both countries, a series of political and unethical circumstances made that dream a virtual impossibility. In this episode, Carlos details the incredulous story of corruption and mutiny that surrounded his Olympic bid. This is a harrowing tale leading a trail of devastation the likes of which will affect those involved for a lifetime. This is a tough one ladies and gentlemen. Carlos Mayer is one of the bravest people we've ever met and we here at the Daily Combat Podcast thank him for sharing this important story. So, join us as we uncover one of the most incredible stories for an athlete on this episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. Carlos Mayakoch. Now, Carlos um, has been a karate champion. He's had a, well, a particularly difficult road to traverse on his way to the Olympics. It's a, a journey with many twists and turns and one um, I can't wait to share with you all. Very fortunately, I was, I'm was i somewhat privy to the story that you're all about to hear today, having uh, spoken at some length with Carlos just more recently. And um, I can certainly tell you that this is one of those stories that you'll walk away shaking your head um, at the end of it. So um, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you Carlos Mayer-Cock. Thank you very much. So, Hello, uh, everyone. So, yeah. Car- Carlos, um, uh, you, you've grown up uh, with uh, almost karate royalty in Mexico. Um, and so, originally from Mexico, now living in Australia. Um, and uh, tell us about your first memories of uh, karate. Well, one of my very first memories is actually a sensation more than an image, and it is the sensation of the warm, wet uh, wooden floor after it's been cleaned. Mm. I love that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically. And, and how old were you then? 
probably two or three. Two or three, and yeah. and so mum and dad, they're 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 around karate at this stage. Yes, so they met through karate. They, oh. Yeah, uh, they had. <laughs> so you're kids. the product that, of the karate yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is amazing. I had two kids who had no other option but to do karate. We didn't know it, but we didn't have any option. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we were thrown into it from a very young age, and. Um, we were always around it because they could teach every day and uh, the kids could be there. Mm. So from 5 p.m. until 11 at night, we could be in there. And um, when we turned three and four, my parents opened a special group for kids. Hmm. Back in the day, it wasn't a thing. Now it's like very common. Yeah. So they opened a group for kids just because they wanted to push my sister and I to do it. <laughs> and so they grabbed five other kids and they made up a group. And uh, yeah, we started when we were very young. Fantastic. And, and so uh, started competing young as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, in there were a lot of tournaments while we were little. But let's say as a competition in a more serious way, we started when we were 12 mm -hmm. in a thing that is called the National Olympics in Mexico. It's not related really to the Olympics. It's just the name it has. It's like a Mexican version of the Olympics. Yeah, just for yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's uh, the highest um, sporting event in Mexico for the younger athletes. Mm -hmm. So everyone under 21, that is the biggest achievement they can do in their sport is to win the National Olympics. Yeah. And um, yeah, we started competing in those when I was 12 and my sister was 13. Mm -hmm. uh, well, when she was 12, actually. But... She's one year older than me. She okay. started when she was 12, and then I got up when I was 12. Yep. And, um, yeah, ever since I've been competing, so it's been, I was 12, 16 years now. Wow, that's yeah. a long career. Yeah. 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 And how did you go in that first National Olympics? Oh, I lost. Oh. Terribly, yeah. <laughs> God, it was my ass. Yeah. Very badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was good because that fueled my second uh, National Olympics in which I medaled. Mm -hmm. And then on my third National Olympics, I made it into the national team, which is for this first and second place. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. So the beating that mum and dad gave you afterwards <laughs> certainly yeah, paid off. Yeah, 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 that definitely paid off. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and did you, when you say you lost, did you uh, not perform well or that you performed as well as you could and it just so happened to be that you were beaten on the day? Um... A combination of factors. Look, um, when I was very little, I didn't really want to compete mm. because when I was 12, I've been around karate all of my life and I was sick of it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something else. I Bit wanted of a rebellious to, yeah, teenager. Yeah, 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 I wanted to do soccer, you know. I wanted mm. to yeah. play with my friends, to play mm. Nintendo, whatever the kids mm. when they were 12 wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, and my parents were very smart in the way they handled it, so they sort of like fishing, let loose a little bit and then reel me back in. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I was having all of this freedom yeah. and then... And uh, that just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah then That's I turn smart. around. That's yeah, smart. I turn back around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they never the Nintendo was put in the dojo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they actually never let me off the dojo. They just let me go once a week. Oh. <laughs> so that was the way of, you know, yeah, letting yeah, loose. Yeah. They're like, you can only come to your class and then you're a free man. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of being the... Six hours a day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not training, just being there. You know? yeah. uh, but then my sister started competing, as I said, and she was winning. Mm. She was a very um, successful young athlete and a young kid in general. Mm. And um, suddenly I turn around and my sister is traveling, you know, into these five-star hotels, having buffets, <laughs> swimming in pools. She's and, living the life. She's yeah, living large. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the karate like, lifestyle. Uh, yeah. I'm like, well, 
it seems rather silly that I'm here folding clothes and mopping floors <laughs> while she's out there, you know, like getting buffet breakfast. Yeah. So if I have to fight for that, let's fight, literally. <laughs> so so I get back into the ring. So for bacon, you'll essentially do anything. That's what I'm yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it for the muffin. <laughs> Incredible. So, uh, so your your youth, you're very much you're at that national level really, really quickly, and yes. um, uh, when. At what age did you move to Australia? Um, I was 20, oh, good question, 24. Okay, so you're still quite young. So all of your karate development was in Mexico. It was in Mexico. And uh, the reason both my sister and I had the success we had is because my parents had been doing karate many years Mm -hmm. and they were the highest exponents of their own field in karate in Mexico. Right. And what's that field? Uh, refereeing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were three world referees in Mexico. Mm-hmm. My parents were wow. two of them. Huh. Wow. That's yeah. massive. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, so it was very interesting because when we moved to Australia, one year before the other world referee retired, and then my two parents came here. So basically, mm. Mexico was like without no, world no. referees. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. oh, so they moved in, when we you all moved. moved. You all moved. Yeah. yeah, so 2015, my family and I, we all... Mm-hmm. Put whatever we can put into bags mm-hmm. and come to Australia wow. and start over. Mm-hmm. And, and what led to that occurring? Um, look, my parents have been invited before by a friend of my mom. So my mom used to be part of the uh, World Referee Commission who has 10 members in the world. Mm-hmm. And she was the only woman at the time. Wow. And Everybody there was yeah. another another member who is called Concassis, who is from Australia. Mm-hmm. And he told her, like, oh, why don't you come to Australia, shalala. And my mom always thought he was saying, yeah, you know, come down to visit. Mm-hmm. Pet the koalas, meet the kangaroos, <laughs> go back home. <laughs> um, but then um, with the years, she realized that it was an invitation to move to Australia. Oh. And then she, she said, look, my kids are young. They're still in school. Mm-hmm. It's not a good time to, you know, move and start over. So, um, no, thank you. But then when I finished uni, which is... 2015, my sister was already working in the field of psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents said, hey, we're moving to Australia. Do you guys <laughs> want to come in or do you want to stay back? Right, wow. So I jumped into the first plane with my mom. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we split up. My mom and I came first. My dad and my sister catch up with us, caught up with us. Yeah. And and so um, I'm guessing that mum and dad had this uh, the, the dojo and had a business there, so that wouldn't have been a decision taken lightly by mm. them, and also held in very very high esteem within the sport, and I'm guessing the broader community yeah. as well. Yeah, look, it was interesting because um, they do have uh, karate academies. They had a big presence in three different states in Mexico, now a fourth one. Um, they left all of that to their students. So their students are now in charge of all of that. Right. And they just overlook it um, from Australia. Mm-hmm. And, um, sorry. <clears throat> and um, as anything with success, you do a lot of friends, but you also do a lot of enemies. So they had a lot of people that didn't like them and a lot of people that didn't like me because I was their son. So yeah. consequently, yeah, it, yes, it had a lot of good things, but there were also a lot of people that didn't like them because they were 
referees. Yeah. And they always held themselves to do what they think it was right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people in power don't want you to do what's right, want you to do what's beneficial for them. And yeah. that creates conflict when you <laughs> disagree. Absolutely. So that, that uh, invitation served as a great opportunity to start yeah. afresh, yeah. new country, so, new culture. Yes. And, uh, and from the karate perspective, was it, e it easy for them to make the move over here? And how was it for you now fitting into a new national karate ecosystem? Look, I think for them, the most um, appealing thing was the opportunity to open a new continent because our style is not as big as other styles. Okay. So it had presence in three continents. Being in Australia opens a fourth continent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it was just the excitement of trying to start from scratch because in Mexico, for better or worse, I was walking through their steps. Mm. So I was always the son of. Mm. which I'm completely fine with because it's a good image. Yeah. But I wanted to see if I could do it for myself. Mm. So that was my personal uh, motivation. Yeah. And yes, when we came down here, I started actually focusing on the classes. I wanted to focus on building the academies. Mm -hmm. But then I got caught up in the competition. So mm. um, got enrolled with the state team, sort of by coincidence. And then... I performed well because, you know, like the level sort of remains. Mm. And then I went to the nationals. Then I make it to the national team in Australia. Then I was representing Australia in the Oceania Championships. And then the Olympics hit. So for the first time in history, uh, karate went into the Olympics and the news were broken in 2017. So mm -hmm. they were like, guys, we're in for Tokyo. Whoever mm. wants to start, we're starting in 2017, September. Okay. So, um... I, f I fear this is where the harrowing tale begins. <laughs> so, Just before some, we start, oh, can yeah. I find out? I get a the, drink. With your <laughs> styles that you were saying with, yes. are different to the other styles yes. of karate. What, what are the main differences? Look, um, the styles in karate divert um, depending on the history. So to make a quick recollection, uh, karate prehistory comes from China. So all of what is Kung Fu then moves into Okinawa, mixes with a local thing called Okinawa Te, and that's where karate is born. Mm -hmm. And then modern karate comes from the combination of the Japanese that took that from Okinawa into Japan and turned into the universities. Mm -hmm. The differences are not very big. The differences are differences of style and interpretation. So some styles have a wider stance, some styles, some styles have a shorter stance. Some focus more on certain techniques than others. And the way in which they perform the techniques or in which they interpret the moves are slightly different. Um, but there's not bigger changes. So in my style, uh, my style comes from Suri, which is a very relaxed, long position. Um, and yeah, there's like the main differences depend which style we're comparing against. So, for what, example... What styles are there that are prevalent so at a, an elite level? The bigger styles could be Shotokan, Shitoryu, and Gojoryu. Uh, Shotokan, Shitoryu, and my style, they all come from the same family. So, say, they all have the same father, mm -hmm. which is Suri. So, in Okinawa, there were three styles, which are Suri, Naha, and Tomari. Mm -hmm. So, from Suri, most of the current styles develop. Right. Then from Naha, you have only one big style these days, which is Goryu Ryu, mm -hmm. which is very interesting, actually. I am also graded in Goryu Ryu, and um, I like it because it mm, has a lot of emphasis on meditation. Mm. Oh, wow. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's more of meditation in movement. 
Yeah. And uh, they have a lot of short stance and short moves, so it's very good for close contact uh, fights. And the interesting thing about Goju is, story says that it was developed in the ships because all of the people that developed the Goju Ryu were people closer to the port, so more like sailors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you live in a boat most of your life and you have to be traveling, you cannot really be jumping and doing pirouettes <laughs> because you fall yeah. into the sea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they could have like shorter stands uh, that help you with the rocking of the boat and yeah, and close bit of balance. And... Yeah, 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 close, close combat because you're in a ship. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. And huh. it's very interesting. And then it develops into a lot of meditation. So Goju Ryu is the actual only style that has nine different types of breathing. Really? Uh, which yeah? I won't go into it today, but it is very, very interesting. And that is super interesting. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and so and so you you are partly an exponent of that style, but you more broadly entrenched in. So my base style is Shudokan, which Shudokan. is the one that comes from Suri. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, because my parents were very um, high up in the referee um, world, mm-hmm. they needed to know about all of the styles. Yes. So they basically mastered in all of them. And <laughs> um, yeah, and one very good friend of them who is now passed uh, was the teacher of Gojuryu and also my and my sister's teacher of Gojuryu. Uh, Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So you, you were you're provided with uh, a, a quite an advantage compared to most, Definitely. I guess. So uh, it, it's not only have you got world-class instruction and you're surrounded by the best people in the country, but it's almost in, well. It's very much in your DNA. You're the byproduct of karate love. <laughs> and, and definitely, definitely <laughs> karate love. Byproduct yeah. of that, karate love. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think we should make it a phrase. Yeah, yeah. I like <laughs> karate love. I like that. Um, look, yes, most definitely, I have an advantage um, because most people get go and train with their teacher mm. and that's their exposure yeah i could have both of my parents uh, and i could have a lot of teachers that could also help me through my parents or because of my parents yeah so yeah in that regard i had a huge advantage mm. i also had a huge disadvantage because of the same reason so during certain political times in mexico i was completely blocked because of my parents wow um so there were certain referees said by them that later down the road when the political waves changed, they came and apologized because they mm. were like, oh, sorry, I had to actually vote against your kid. Like, that was my order. <laughs> Incredible. I'd be, yes. I'd be really interested, like, you've touched on that there, but mm-hmm. for me as an athlete, you know, they say the grass is always greener on the other side, and I've competed against athletes who have had that, yes. um, that kind of experience of having a lot of family in the sport. What other disadvantages did you find um, having grown up in the sport and, and it's there all the time, what is that like? Look, another disadvantage, if you may take it, it's the expectation. Mm. So taking me, for example, when I won my first national championship, no one but an I. They were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's no big deal. We yeah. expected w- that to What's happen. next? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, your parents are the best in the world in what they do. Why would <laughs> they be surprised if you are the best in the country? They're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, good on you, you know? Like, finally, you And did you is... feel that was an anti-climax? Like, you, you were kind of expecting no. or hopeful of maybe some more adulation not or really, positive not confirmation? Really, not really. Because, um, look, also karate is a lot about humbleness. Mm. So... Something that I've been learning about these last 20 years is how much of humbleness is good humbleness. Mm. Because my parents could be humble to a degree that I find it counterproductive. 
Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people could be like, oh, so are you good at karate? Can you teach me? And they could be like, well, I'm not that good. You know, I know a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little the, bit. Yeah, the guys have been doing karate for 50 years. They're the best in the world. But yeah, it's like if you go to, you know, Steve Jobs and talk, I'm like, oh, so are you good at business? And he's like, oh, you know, I have a business here and there. I can probably give you a few tips. And I you're can like, fix your yeah. laptop. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. So in If a way... it's an apple. Yeah. <laughs> If it's an apple. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> Yeah, so, so so in a way it's counterproductive because instead of um, taking that position and being able to to spread it, they are too humble to the point of quietness mm. and mm. they just, you know, let it pass. Mm. Um, and when we won the national championships, it was just uh, a step in the ladder for the mm. next thing. So sure, mm-hmm. uh, national champions, now let's go for the international championships. Now let's go for the Pan-American ones. Now let's go for the world ones. Yeah. So instead of uh, things being met with a great sense of success and achievement, mm-hmm. they were met with happiness of, oh, great. Mm-hmm. What's next? You know, like, well, <laughs> I finished my homework. What's next? You know, yeah. well, the nationals, what's next? Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Mm. And, and so um, by the time you'd left Mexico, so you were, had been a national champion, um, you're, you're competing at a really high level. How warmly received were you then into the, the Australian karate community? <laughs> mm. Look, by the time I left Mexico, I, I will always have to speak about my parents in this particular mix, but I was the national champion and the continental champion. Mm. My sister has been the national champion. My parents were the best in the world in what they did. <laughs> and we came in and um, my mom's friend gone. told her like, look, I believe you should establish wherever you want. But in South Australia, the Northern Territories, Tasmania or Canberra, because they are the ones with the lowest level of karate and they are the ones that could benefit the most out of your experience. Mm. Save that, mm. you're free, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents found that South Australia has very similar conditions to the place I used to live. Mm. Uh, so Similar climate? So, uh, uh, yes, similar climate, but with bigger extremes that I don't like. Very uh-huh. hot summer, very cold winter. <laughs> bad on Adelaide. Um, but a, lot, wine, a lot of Mexicans. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of Mexicans. Our winter is like 12 degrees. You know, so anything under nine, I feel like, oh, what is this? <laughs> um, And they uh, have a lot of wineries where I come from. So mm. when they're like, oh, South Australia has wineries and middle climate, <laughs> South Australia it is. <laughs> so here we are in Adelaide. And um, at the beginning, uh, we were received by local karate people of the um, South Australian Karate Federation. And we were to run. They were very welcoming and um Bear in mind that this stage, my English wasn't very good. Uh, I've always spoken English, but there are certain things that you do not understand if it's not your mother tongue. So it's different if I say like, oh, he comes with me, mm. that if I say, oh, he's with me, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So certain little salties that, that's, yeah. That's an important one there. Yeah, yeah. it's a very important one. But, but if it's your second language. A lesson learned early. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Good thing you're good at karate. <laughs> <laughs> But if it's your second language, you miss that subtle tone. And if mm. they ask you, like, oh, are you with him? You yeah. may be like, yeah, I'm with him, you know? Mm. Uh, because I came with him. So, so yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> things like that, that that you lose in translation. So, um, so very soon, I start realizing that there was a lot of confusion in the national um, karate world because they mm. thought 
that I was the student of people that I wasn't the student of. Uh-huh. And then I didn't do anything but say the truth. I was like, oh, no, you know, like, you must be mistaken. Mm. This is how the story goes. Mm. But then the person that was trying to make it look like if I was part of his academy and school got oh. very mad at us because uh, <laughs> he thought we were like undertaking him. So somebody uh, appropriated you essentially. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh. So somebody was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, no, he's one is, of my protégés. Yeah, yeah, protégés. he's one of my protégés, <laughs> yes. Um, and then uh, oh, to know. make things even worse, a lot of them, oh, oh, I know. Uh, a lot of the younger <laughs> athletes were very excited because... Yeah, there would be. Yeah. 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 Um, South Australia at this stage didn't have many national champions um, in the last few years. So suddenly the kids see someone come in and they're like, oh, you know, like this is so mm. cool. And also it's an adult. Mm. So they're like, oh, you know, like we want to do this. We want to do that. And many of the local kids wanted to come and train with us. And my parents have always been very professional. So they always told them, look, as long as your teacher is fine with it, you're more than mm. welcome because, you know, the more you train, the better you get. So if you come to my gym, his gym, their gym, better than if you just go to one gym, you know, because mm. you have better exposure. Um, so they always tell them, look, if your teacher is fine and it doesn't interfere with your classes, you're welcome. Uh, but then that also became an issue with the passing mm. years because certain people could be like, oh, you know, they want to steal the students. Uh. And, yeah. So then we back off and we're like, you know what? We don't want your students. We don't want your anything. You can keep everything. So, yeah, a very nice welcome became a very um, nasty fight of power mm. to the point that in mm. my last national championships that I competed for South Australia, I got officially sanctioned. The wow. reason why I was sanctioned was because I was wearing a jacket and a scarf after having a medical condition that cracked my neck. So the doctor told me you have to keep it warm. So we're yeah. in Tasmania in a venue. <laughs> that was very cold. And Tasmania is cold. It is cold. Let in the middle in of the a winter. venue that's cold and in the yeah. middle of winter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, the weekend before the nationals, yeah. I cracked my neck out of stress. Yeah. So the doctors told me, I ended up in the yeah. hospital and they told me like, I'll put a jacket and a scarf yeah. and yeah. don't expose yourself. Probably don't compete in the nationals. But I went to the nationals, <laughs> you know. To... <laughs> Sounds like me. Of course you did. What yeah, of course we go to nationals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to not you, go you yeah, have the to week fulfill, before. Yeah. yeah, you have to fulfill your commitment. <laughs> so, athlete life. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the nationals and I was wearing a jacket and a scarf. And these guys were like, oh, you have to wear your uniform. I'm like, look, my uniform is here. I can put work on top or on bottom. But mm-hmm. my uniform is here. I'm not in breach. So, yeah, they basically... Um, corner me and told me that I was in breach of rules and I was a very bad example for the kids because I was being rebellious. So the president, the head coach and the secretary pulled me apart and they gave me an official sanction and I have a beautiful uh, email correspondence saying that I'm officially sanctioned. So oh, what is, what's entailed? What's entailed with being sanctioned? Oh my lord, that makes oh, well, me so angry. This, but you're not allowed to compete or you're... This, this was, and once again, this is why I mean, you know, like it just becomes a nasty yeah. little power game. Uh, this just became a sanctioning, which, oh, you've been sanctioned once. If you are sanctioned again, we will take, um, what is the action? Your jacket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you will no longer You'll be stripped in the middle of the window. Yeah. Yeah. cold. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We, we will take punitive action or something yeah, around those lines. Right. So, yeah. So, basically, it's like, oh, you know, we're just setting the grounds in written that you've been You've been misbehaving, so yeah. next time we can do whatever. And <laughs> that really makes me mad, and this is something which is which is 
honestly, the more and more I speak to different athletes from different sports in Australia, and it seems to be something quite prevalent in Australia, maybe even in South Australia, the more I hear experiences like this, and it makes me, I'm it making me rage. angry. It's yeah. making me rage. Mm. Makes me want to go get my black belt in karate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to hear that. That genuinely makes me so angry, and and that's just crazy. And mm. I think uh, an issue perhaps in Australia with some sports coming from a smaller sport myself, it's almost like um, what do they call it? Tall poppy syndrome. Mm. Yes. If you are good. For in here, in, in this country, in my experience, they do try and push you down. Whereas mm. I had, so I had, I have dual citizenship with Italy mm-hmm. and they were talking about, um, you know, competing for them. And it's completely different. Like the experience in Europe, even in America is a great example, a great sporting place. Everyone wants their talent to be better. Yeah. So something that Carlos said was, you know, his parents said, you know, as long as it's good with your teachers Mm. you can come and train here too because Mm. we want you to be as good as possible so train as much as possible Mm. whereas here it's actually kind of a bit more Mm. we'll train with this person and then if you succeed then it's on us you know what i'm saying it's a bit more of that competitive thing yeah we own the success it's 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 a weird thing i've noticed in my experience it seems to be prevalent here in australia i've just noticed that do you think it's because if if, if there's like a smaller group it's like a niche thing like whatever it is and it canoeing, is in smaller or groups yeah if yeah. it's karani or something like that and it's like there is only this club or, or one or two clubs and it's mm. like if you're going to be successful we want you to everyone to know that you came from us because we want it's something this. it's almost like a monopoly of sport <laughs> it is definitely. it's like a monopoly <laughs> and then yeah and then there's one there's either one coach or and and a great thing at the moment is you know i've I mentioned it before but you know we've got an olympic swimmer who's standing up for stuff like this and mm. talking about it now and you know even we're having these conversations even like in this podcast and it's like mm. hopefully i don't know perhaps through conversation we can eventually squash mm. it out i don't know yeah look i believe sorry to interrupt no, yeah. that the more we talk about it and the more we put it out there which is the reason i'm writing a book about this oh, yes. um, good on you is yeah. the easier that people can find solutions to it. So, for mm. example, there's a lot of people speaking up now, what you just mm. said about the um, mm. Olympic swimmer. Also, there's a documentary in um, Netflix, which I really recommend if anyone hasn't seen it. It's called Athlete A, about the gymnasts yeah, no. and all yeah. mm. of the things that they have to go through. Mm. And we're talking very, very heavy mm. stuff. Mm. Um, uh, so, yeah, the and as you said, mm. You hear things that make you rage. Mm. Well, sadly, the higher up you go in sport, the nastier these things get. So we're talking corruption, sexual abuses, um, people like, I don't even doubt that there's like people being hitman mm. by things. Like mm. I've had death threats mm. in the sport. Jesus. Wow. And not, not even death threats by another competitor that wants your place, mm. you know, like death threats from directors of the mm. sport who wow. want you to behave in one way or another. Mm. So, yeah, so the higher up mm. you go into the sport, and once again, as you said, these are small niches. Let's mm. face it, karate athletes are not soccer players, mm. you know? So I can only imagine <laughs> yeah. what the most professional athletes have to go through because the well, karate is not going to make you mm. rich, but soccer will. Mm. So mm. the amount of things those guys have to mm. go through should be very mm. interesting to really it's, it's there seem, It seems to happen to be more prevalent in those sports where there's a bottleneck of opportunity, mm-hmm. where there's only so many spots or so many positions available, and there's a there's the the fight is for the positions, not for the betterment of the sport. 
and mm. everybody's got a, mm. a, 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 for lack of a better word, a dog in the fight. Everybody's got their guy that or girl that they want to see win or be on the team and have a vested interest. And unfortunately, these people are often the administrative people in that same sport who hold quite senior positions mm. who can yes. also affect those outcomes directly um, mm. when it comes to team mm. selection and the like because that was mm. similar to your experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was even a fair level like the amount of stories I've heard uh, about money specifically. If we talk about money like the Australian funding, mm -hmm. we get a lot of money into some sports and that money sometimes doesn't go to the athletes. Mm -hmm. And something would be interesting um, to hear about karate because I know that um, anything that had a potential to medal at Tokyo, so mm. things like canoe, kayak, uh, rowing, rowing is actually re really well done. Their finances mm. are well managed. Um, but sometimes this money disappears in these niche sports and that's where I think maybe that's where the corruption really is, is you've got these people who mm. come in and then let's say you're given, let's say we're given $500,000 from the government. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm training like two to three times a day for four years. I go mm. overseas, I do everything and I lose money. <laughs> like, mm. can you explain yes. that? Mm. Like that money is meant to go to the athletes. Yeah. And if you've got someone who's, you know, got tires, who's getting a $30,000 income every year, and then mm. you've got another athlete who's, doing the exact same thing, getting paid nothing, and they're both at the same level, then... Yeah. And, and it's uh, with a lot of these sports as well, they have um, varying degrees of governmental support wherever yeah. they might be. And, you know, we, we've seen that uh, in Olympic results uh, over the generations, mm. you know, when the Russians threw all of that money at their Olympic sports, you know, the gymnasts, the athletes. That the wasn't all they field. were throwing at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, some little Sorry, the laboratories, the doctors, the doctors, the scientists. But they threw, uh, you know, their national honour behind these sports to, to prove a political point ultimately. And then when the politics subsides uh, from uh, that's no longer the national interest, personal interest seems to fill that vacuum and, it, and in a lot of these sports that seems to be where we're at now. Yeah, and it's interesting It's interesting that Carlos said that you think that there'd be more corruption in that professional level because I kind of imagine that for something like basketball, like NBA, <laughs> they just seem to, you know, it's like every individual athlete for themselves trying to become the next Kobe Bryant or trying to be the best they can be, whereas I feel like there's more, as Dave said, perhaps there's more of that corruption with a smaller sport because why? Because there's not the amount of money in it to be professionally like. Mm. There's not the long know. tail. Yeah, so well, there's, like, there's you've not got the like two, of, sport. two yeah. or three people that have the opportunity and not even make the money, but have the opportunity to make the money. Whereas in sports, like mainstream sports like football or football's a really good example or soccer, there's there's a few guys that are making tens and tens of millions of dollars, mm. hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. There's a whole lot of guys making five hundred thousand dollars a year, so there's not that same scarcity of opportunity. You know, if you're the fifth best soccer player in the world, you're still doing okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're the fifth best kayaker in the country, where does no that leave you your eventually? Name. Yeah, yes, yeah. 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 Or, or if you're the third yeah. best, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's scarcity of opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So um, it's uh, it, it's annoying when they have like a selection committee that can make a decision based on whatever they want in terms of yes. who get who gets to go. Oh, yeah. As opposed to let's have um, a tournament or a race or whatever this situation is and whoever wins that is mm. the selected athlete and well, then 
you know, that would be a, a little bit more fair, you would think. Mm. Well, corruption only exists where injustice is tolerated. Mm. Uh, that's my quote for the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> you snuffed that one, it, yeah. The thing is, it's been waiting for the perfect opportunity. <laughs> it was written on your sleeve. <laughs> it gets harder and harder when interpretation comes into play. Because, mm. for example, something I really like about athletics. He crossed the line before you. He's faster than you. End of the story. We don't care how you feel. We don't care about yeah, anything there's no else. Points. It's yeah. very easy to watch. Mm. And we have super speed cameras that will tell you the little yeah. microsecond who crossed the line. Yeah. But even in boxing, which is probably the most popular fighting sport, mm. many times people are like, no, that mm. fight was completely stolen. Mm. The referees mm. are blind. Mm. The thing is, how are you meant to determine Mm. You know, who actually fought better, the one that scored more points, the one that got scored on less, the one mm. that moved better, you know, so the more interpretation coming mm. into it, same thing with gymnastics and certain mm. things. So you have to be very vigilant on the process being as fair and as um, objective mm. as possible, because Otherwise, you only have all of these people that are angry at the process. Same mm. thing as you said, like if the selection process is Whoever wins this tournament, fulfill it. Yeah. Mm. This person won. Hey, they won because of B or C. Well, yeah, but the selection process says this. I'm so sorry. This year, John goes. Yeah. And, and was Bloody it when John. you... Yeah. He always goes. <laughs> and, at what, and at what age were you <laughs> conscious? Was it when you came to mm. Australia that you became conscious of... The, well, no, because you had mentioned earlier that corruption. The, the corruption. Yeah. Uh, when, when did you realise that that had potential to play a role in your career? Oh, well, I. the thing is, and it's something that I really enjoy talking with my Mexican athlete friends because everyone in Mexico knows about the corruption and the, they think it's a national thing. Uh-huh. So they're like, oh, you know, bloody hell, Mexico it, did it again. They stole millions of dollars because they're corrupted. Hmm. Oh, no, they sent John because yeah. they were corrupted. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when I came to Australia, it was an eye-opener because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's not a Mexican thing. It's mm. not a Latin American thing because, once again, you know, being in the Pan American Championships, mm. you're like, oh, you know, Argentina did it again. Yeah. Bloody Brazil is doing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and then you come and you're like, oh, same thing. Then you talk with the European athletes, same thing, you know. So, mm. yeah, I believe the, the peace of mind that Australia gave me is it's happening everywhere. Mm. And that's why mm. we all have to do something about it because... It's it's a problem that is within all of us. Mm. We all have mm. that potential to be corrupted and we all have that opportunities in which they tell you, you know what, I'll give you a little bit of funding, just don't tell your uh, other athlete friends. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So then it's very easy to cross the line and be like, you know what, I really need to go to Tokyo. So sure, bring mm. in the mm. money. But mm. the moment you say yes, well, you are part of the wheel, sadly. Mm. Mm. So this book that you're working on, is there a working title that you've got? Yeah, um, but I don't John. know. Yeah, it's called uh, John, John Did It John. Again. No, um, <laughs> um, the, the title I've been fiddling with is called The Olympic Rim or A Wake Up Call. Mm. But we all know that the word Olympic is very... <laughs> yep, copyrighted and yes. protected, so, trademarked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm. I'm fiddling around with other titles in my head. Mm. I'm still going through. 
Okay, so any listeners with an Olympic alternative there, be sure to yeah, reach out to Carlos yeah. and let him know. Um, so, Carlos, your your Olympic dream, um, when did you first become aware that karate was on the agenda for Tokyo? 2017. Okay. And actually, I was a big pessimistic because karate has been trying to get in for the last 20 years. Mm. And every time everyone gets very excited and every time it's a no. Mm. So this time I was like, nah, you know, I'm not going to get excited. It's... And you could imagine uh, you know, Japan just sitting there going, is it going to be sumo or is it going to be karate? <laughs> yeah. Which one are we going to put in there? Sumo would have been amazing. Because yeah, yeah. the host country gets the chance. And they were karate. Okay. Yeah. That, that would have been, surely, sumo, oh, they would have walked away with well, gold. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't have you enough international so. competi- competitors, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Sumo. I actually, America, I actually researched sumo wrestling recently. <laughs> you know, women can't compete. Women aren't meant to what? compete in traditional sumo wrestling. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, my friend made a joke that we should do it. <laughs> wow. I didn't and, know then, and then I looked it up and I can't. But anyway. Is, is this an alternative to weight cutting? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Instead <laughs> of dropping weight for boxing, I, I, I thought I'd do sumo wrestling. I, I did see they had they have a height requirement in sumo and a guy got plastic surgery <gasps> I'm just serious on his forehead <laughs> to like make it like six inches taller so that he could compete in sumo oh wow that's <laughs> crazy have they, anyway. have they let him in then yeah well he oh, was and you kind of got to at that point don't you you're not going to say no to yeah. the guy that just had his head extended <laughs> yeah, by six it's like alright come on he would... had a massive advantage because he just had the head pop <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> alright alright so 2017 you're just chilling one day and then you're like you find out that it's yeah, going to be yeah yeah so I'm in denial, you know, not wanting to get my heart broken again. And they're like, hey, guess what? They said yes. I'm like, now nah, they didn't. I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So oof, I was. And, and what position were you in then? Were you a champion at that stage? Were you competing I was a national actively? champion, but I was semi-retired. So, yes, I was winning. Okay. But athletes, you'll know. I was winning off the past of the glory. So I okay. wasn't really putting intent to any effort. I was just riding my already uh sharpen the skills yeah. and taking them to whatever would that take me. So I wasn't planning to win any world championships at that stage. I was just, you know. You were just cruising. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm like, oh, damn, this is getting serious. And I haven't mm. been in the international mm. scenery for years because mm. on top of that, let's put a rule into everyone's mind that is if you change countries, the World Karate Federation sanctions you for two years. Oh. Mm. Mm. And and had you done your two years? By yeah, that yeah, stage? yeah. So, so in 2017, cool? yeah. Okay. If you yep. contemplate that I came in 2015, yeah. 2017, I was still banned from international championships. Oh, so you were because of the to... sanction. Okay, so, so you weren't quite sure how you'd measure up at, at exactly an international level all of a sudden. Right. Exactly right. So I'm mm. like, oh, you know, it's sure. I mean, state champion and national champion, but. I don't know how I'm going to do in the internationals. Yeah. And um, that was the first year I could compete in the um, uh, Continental Championships, and I won them, mm-hmm. which was very good. Um, then we started into the, this... con- the Continental Championships. Yes. That's the uh, Oceania? Oceania Championships, yeah. yes. Um, so then the whole madness started because there were a lot of championships lining up. So you have two types of championships for karate. One was a Premier League, one was a Series A. Mm-hmm. So basically, Premier Leagues could be for elite athletes. The mm-hmm. top 50 athletes of the world can compete. And if they don't want to compete, mm-hmm. then the top 100 have the chance to fill in the spots. Mm-hmm. But oh, if you're not nice. in the top 100, you don't go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Series A, which are basically open format. Whoever wants to come, mm-hmm. comes in. And that is the That's pathway. The one. That's, one for you, That's me. I'm yeah. in there. Yeah. To get into the <laughs> Premier Leagues. Number 101. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 Okay. So if, if you have not ranking... <laughs> yeah. 
you can go through the Series A, get ranking, and then go to the Let's all try Series A next year. Okay, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's go together. Yeah, let's go together. Yeah, we can form a club. All right, I'll, bring my, I'll bring my jacket. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get sanctioned. <laughs> no scarves allowed. Uh, okay. um, so, so then I started putting my finances in order because mm. suddenly you have six or seven overseas trips mm. scheduled and uh, you have to train and you have to add up all of the national trips and the national camps and the national championships and etc etc so the whole thing started off in germany and that's speaking of funding that's mm. when the australian olympic committee said like oh you know mm. whoever medals in germany mm. we're gonna give them twenty thousand dollars for nice. gold yep. 15 for silver 10 for bronze that's very good mm. yeah. wow. um safe to say that they kept their money in their pockets because no one medaled in that tournament mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um we actually all lost very badly i believe the guy that won the most past three runs in mm. Germany. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and that was the only Premier League that you could access before the Code. top 50. Oh. No, this 2017. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this yeah. was the last yeah. Premier League that was still open for everyone that was mm-hmm. a national team member. Mm-hmm. After that, only if you're in the top 50. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. that's where we all went. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, got our ass kicked, come back to Australia, mm-hmm. and um, we start preparing for the next one. So then I went to Istanbul and China and I have a whole list. But yeah, so we start going to all of these different tournaments and then because of many reasons, people start dropping off. Some didn't have the results, some didn't have mm. the money. Mm. Um, I did a very good job cutting all of my social life. So mm-hmm. I could just work like every day here. Mm-hmm. And I cut a deal at my work where they could let me go to compete. So I was overseas competing, then coming back here to train and work. And that was my life for three years. Basically, no social life, no drinking allowed, no nothing mm. but training and working. And um, in 2019, I got dropped off. So I was in the top 50 of the world. I was in place... 27, I believe, or 33. That's somewhere pretty decent. That's pretty decent. Wow. Yeah, and um, for anyone who yeah. <laughs> might have any scrap of a doubt, anyway. Yeah, well, particularly mm. because you have to put in place. This is just from 2017 to 2019. Mm. So mm. on those two years, I made those mm. places. Um, uh, because points after two years get deleted, and after one year they get half. Mm. So after my two-year sanction, I didn't have any points. Oh. So, oh, I start, so for that reason, they yeah. dropped you. So in 2017, wow. I start from scratch. Ugh. So I start the Olympic race from scratch. From scratch and made it to yeah. tw- top 27 in the world by 2019. And Incredible. then um, in Shanghai, uh, a friend of my parents uh, approached me and told me, hey, I need to let you know you've been spotted by the Olympic Committee, uh, International Olympic Committee. And so far, I'm like, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the conversation were like, not as nice. <laughs> um, he told me, and they're asking why is a Mexican athlete with a Mexican passport competing for Australia. So just to let you know, shit is about to rain down on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then mm. I explained him like, look, I am on, not on breach of any rules. This is the Australian mm. rule book. This is um, what I'm doing, and I will have a passport by the time the Olympics come mm. by. 
Now, I couldn't do the world championships because I wasn't an Australian citizen, but that was the only thing that I wasn't allowed to do. And we also found when the world championships came around because they told me like, oh, you don't have a passport, you really cannot do the world championships. Mm. So that was also another setback because the world championships were the ones that give you the most points mm. for the Olympics. Mm. So without the world championships, I was collecting points in all of the other possible tournaments. Mm. Um, and then... In 2019, this guy is like, oh, well, just be careful. Hmm. Came back. This is December to 20th, 20th of December, I believe. Um, then I come back and on the 7th or 8th of January, uh, some friends of mine call me and they're like, hey, what's up? What happened? I'm like, oh, you know, just chilling. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, no, you didn't know? I'm like, no, what? Yeah, you've been scratched from the... Sports data, you're not in the From athletes. the world ranking. Yeah. They took you off. They took me so off. So you're number 27 in the world and they've just, you, you wake up one next morning. Next time, and yeah, next day, delete. Not, not, oh, that would kill me. Not yeah. a letter written, not a phone call. Like, mm. just thanks to my parents' friend that gave me a heads up. Wow. That's the only the only pre-news uh, I have. And the, and the rationale for that is because you'd accumulated those points with, with a Mexican, Mexican passport. passport. Yeah, so I didn't have an Australian whilst, passport. Whilst representing Australia. Yes. And the Australian Karate Federation, they were aware that this was what was going yes. on. They so, were 100% aware. Yes. Yeah. So um, when that happened, obviously my reaction was the same. And you're like, no, this cannot be real. So after you check for the fifth time and refresh <laughs> the patient, it is real. Then I, um, I had... That beginning of the year was going to be very busy because one week and I was in Paris. Mm. Next week and I was coming back here for the selection of Oceania. The next week and I was going to be up in Spain. And then the weekend after that, I was going to be... The, no, the two weekends after that, I was going to be down in uh, Dubai. Mm. Wow. Sorry, not Spain, Salzburg. And then Dubai. So I have all of these things planned and suddenly, boom. You're out of the lists. And that's funny because I'm out of the lists, but I'm inside of the enrollment of the tournaments because that happened before, oh. which is just a weird glitch mm. because yeah. <laughs> you deleted me, but I'm already enrolled. So, yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can't delete me off the mm. yeah, enrollment. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. you're still booked into <laughs> yeah, these Yeah, because I already paid for the enrollment, so they yeah. cannot delete me from there, but they just delete me from the points. Uh, so, and so could you see a pathway forward? As a result of that, I start calling and sending emails. Yeah, and then they told me like, "Look, uh, there's not much we can do, and uh, we don't know what to do." And long story short, no one knew what to do hmm. or what was happening. So I spoke with the president of the federation of the Australian Federation. I was like, "Dude, I sent you a letter in December, letting mm. you know that I've been advised mm. to do something about this. Well, guess what, now." Shit is down on us. Now mm. they took action before us. Mm. So now we have to do something. Mm. Um, didn't got any reply like on two weeks or three weeks. Oh, that's oh. the so worst. That's by good. the time the calendar hit the tournament in Paris, I just hop in a plane and went there. <laughs> I was going to ask if you went. Or yeah, if you yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to compete, but yeah. my brain was somewhere else. So I went to compete and I was, uh, while everyone was warming up and uh, finding places to train the days before the champs, I was just uh, following people around the venue, you know. Chasing officials. Chasing officials after kind of launch. Response. Yes, and also you don't have a lanyard, so you cannot mm. really access anywhere. So you oh. have to be chasing, you know, like mm. this weird fan behind, you know, yeah. closed doors and up the windows. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you're 27th in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So suddenly I became a creepy stalker for many of the <laughs> karate officials, and we've, I finally we've all tracked. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally tracked down uh, the appropriate person, and the appropriate person told me to speak with another appropriate person, and then that person mm. told me uh, that I should God. speak with my national federation, mm. but that they were happy to l- let me compete in the championship that I had already enrolled. Mm. But after that, they didn't know what to do because they were in breach of the rules. And so then I thought They, I was... they were in breach of the rules by letting you compete. Yes. Australia was. Australia was. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think in, I know what's... In the national championship. Yep. So you yeah, were yeah. allowed to compete. Yep. But you were in breach of the rules yeah. because of the passport situations yes. hadn't been resolved. So I thought I was very clever because I pulled out the rules of Australia and I showed them and I told them, look, I'm not in breach of the rules. This is my National Federation rule book. This is my Continental Federation rule book. We're fine. Mm. They told me like, oh. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. Oh. They're also in breach of the rules. Oh. Yeah. So that also didn't make me very popular. So the Federation okay. wasn't yeah. compliant with their international obligations. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So this is why you didn't get a response for three weeks <sighs> because they yeah. They were like, oh, dear. Maybe. That's maybe. interesting. Oh so with, with canoeing and with my citizenship, because I actually did something similar to you, yeah. so it's really, really interesting to hear this. And I don't know if you've had this as well. It might have been different because you've come to live here. Um, but a lot of people don't understand competing for a different country. And yes. a lot of people were always asking me, oh, can you do that? Why would you do that? All of those sort of questions. Um, for canoeing, the rules are you have to, you don't actually have to have a citizenship, but you do have to have a passport. Hmm. And so were you in 2015 when you came to Australia or what uh-huh. year roughly? Uh-huh. Okay, so it was 2015 when you came. Yeah, so the Australian government pretty much should have just kind of expedited like America or like the Middle Eastern countries and mm. I think I uh, heard of Turkey doing it as well for a kayaker mm. is they just give you they just give you a citizenship if you're like we're talking about obviously in terms of Australia's national um, karate pe- mm-hmm. athletes mm-hmm. you would have been someone who probably had the most hope look yeah I also went that, that venue so mm. just for purpose of speed I didn't go through that but I'll tell you now yeah please do so <laughs> I'm very <laughs> Obviously, amongst all of the stress, I was researching and digging and doing things because yeah. when I found out that I couldn't do the world championships, I also wanted to expedite this whole thing so I had a chance to get those points. Um, so I went to the government and this is a hilarious loophole mm-hmm. in the government rules because they tell you, look, we are happy to expedite it mm-hmm. under one of these three conditions. You play footy for Australia. You play cricket for Australia, yeah. or you are part of the Olympic team for Australia. There you go. But to be part of the Olympic team for Australia, you have to be able to compete in the process that gets you into the Olympic mm. team. They will not allow you to have an expedited passport unless you're part of the Olympic team, but you cannot be in the Olympic team unless Obviously, you have the passport. Yeah. So it yeah. is a very nice little. Yeah, that's so wrap your head around that. Eh? Whoever so, wrote that one has mm. no idea about sport. Not at all. <laughs> so who, who whoever wrote that seems to be very biased towards soccer and was it? Uh, so yeah, soccer. No, footy, footy, footy. No, Not AFL, soccer. Aussie rules. AFL, yeah. Of course, it was made for the Americans to come over and play. So who are you playing football for now? <laughs> <laughs> you can play footy. Yeah. yeah can yeah. you imagine on the field? Uh, I send letters to the crowds and you know the power. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Who yeah, yeah. replies first? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so I did uh, exhaust that avenue and they told me, look, um, 
bring us a letter from your federation, but we don't think we can do anything. For you. Mm. And then on top of that, my federation was not very fast with anything official. Yep. So, yeah. 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 So anyway, um, went to Paris. They told me, bring us a letter and uh, we'll see what we can do. And we'll see you in Dubai. Bring us the letter in Dubai. Uh, so I was like, sure, I'll bring you the letter in Dubai. <laughs> so came back to compete here in the selection for the Oceania Championships. And at this stage, I just flew back from Paris. Mm. I've been in the snow. I'm cold. I'm mm. drained emotionally. Mm. I haven't eaten properly. I did actually a very good uh, couple of fights in Paris. Um, but then again, you know, like my body's tired. I'm completely out of it. Come back here to fight for the selection. And at the same time, I'm talking with the president, I'm talking with the secretary. So in the meantime, everyone is warming up. I'm like, sorry, I'll be back. And hey, man, oh, yeah, we'll talk in a minute. Okay, sure. You know, you keep warming up, but you're sort of looking. So long story short, they told me, come find us at the end of the tournament. We'll have uh, an answer for you. And, so uh, during the tournament, you've got this underlying stress of yes. will I want to Oh, and that stress is no. the worst. Ever since so January. You're yeah, really yeah. out of, out, you, you know, yeah, you're my in mind your head, somewhere you're completely, completely yeah. out. Uh, which I didn't want to admit. took me many years to make pieces with this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Because when you're competing, if you admit that, you lost. So yeah. when you're competing, you're like, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, I'm just, oh, wait, John, come back, John. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, John again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to John this thing out. <laughs> so, so I got in there. I won the selection for the championships, but then I got my ribs broken. So instead of the meeting, I went to the hospital and then I came back. And this is the most hilarious thing at this stage. Oh, so you missed your meeting with the officials? No, no, no. I went into the hospital. Yeah. They told me I have a broken rib. I have to rest. I told them, sorry, I have a meeting. I'll be back. So I get up from the hospital, go into the meeting because it's paramount for the Olympic results. And uh, (laughs) I am 26. Seven years of age at this stage or 28 when this story is happening and my mom is there and then they're like oh perfect the meeting is on Helena is my mom's name Helena could you like come in for the meeting Carlos you can wait here <laughs> and my mom is like what <laughs> and they're like yeah yeah, yeah we'll talk uh, with you and then uh, you can communicate with Carlos and she's like he's an adult <laughs> he is the one that is representing uh, why do you want to talk to me yeah yeah and she's like no <laughs> if anything, he's going in there alone, not yeah. me alone, you know, like, mm. yeah. uh, but we're going in there together. Uh, and then they were trying so hard for just her to be in there, mm. which I don't know if they were trying to make, you know, like a broken line of communication, uh, communication uh, to be able to blame it on yeah. X or Y. Yeah. Huh. So anyway, I walk in there. Devious. Uh, yeah, very devious. And then when the meeting went through, you'll find it even more devious because I'm talking to them and they're like, yeah, they told us you cannot do anything about it. I'm like, who told you that? And they're like, oh, Peter. I'm like, well, I spoke with Peter in Paris and Mm. Peter said something different. Peter said this. What? Mm. No, Peter didn't say that. I'm like, yeah. You want Mm. me to put in the phone or an email? Mm. And they're like, oh, well, uh, he told us something different. I'm like, oh, did you spoke with Peter? And they're like, no, John spoke with Peter. Uh, I'm like, oh, of course. John. Yeah. I should probably be changing the name of John because <laughs> there's like six different people know John now in this story. <laughs> they're, um, all, they're all bad. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's all of this mixed story in which one person told them that another person had said this. I'm like, mate, 
I spoke with both of those persons in Paris, and both of them told me, give me the bloody letter. Why are you making it so hard? Mm. Give me a letter, and I'm out of your hair. Like, mm. I just need a letter mm. that says basically what's happened. I mm. came to Australia. I competed for Australia. I was not on breach of any rules. I will have a passport by the time the Olympics come around, and I have won these championships. Mm. That's all you need to put in the letter. It's all true. Give me the letter. I'm mm. out. So they said, sure. You'll have the uh, the letter by the end of the day. Mm. Uh, so I took the plane back to Adelaide and I had a letter a month later, which <laughs> meant Dubai and Salzburg had already finished. Um, so in, at this stage, you're feeling very much sabotaged. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely didn't feel a lot of support from the Australian Federation. Um, but, and I will get down into that venue later. I feel a lot of athletes didn't felt support from the Australian Federation. Mm. So I I cannot really say it is because they don't like me or it is because they're not efficient. I don't know what is the reason, but... There's definitely some kind of culture there that's not supporting its athletes. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of sure feelings of lack of support. And I'm speaking athletes that could go for the first time on the history of the sport into the Olympics. It is terrible that they don't feel support. But anyway... Um, so broken ribs, complete uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen. I flew off to um, Dubai and Salzburg, uh, hoping I could heal in time to compete. Mm. And my doctor told me I was retarded. My doctor told me, <laughs> yes. Doctors. Yes. <laughs> Who wants to hear what they have to say? Right? But, his name, but his name was John. Uh, so my doctor told me, look. Of course, I cannot force you to do anything, but I'll just let you know. If you as much as move that reef and it punctures your lung, you are into surgery for that life. Like this is life threatening. So I couldn't advise you doing anything. And if you do decide to take that plane, I advise you don't carry your own luggage, <laughs> let alone compete. Oh. So I texted my friends and I was like, hey, I have everything <laughs> paid and booked for. I really need to be there because if I don't compete, I have time to actually chase on these you officials. You can lobby these officials. Yes, yeah. and actually sit down and get things done on the other side of the mm. spectrum. But tricky thing, I cannot carry my bags. So mm. can you help me? And. Hmm. Um, Great friends. They all said yes from different Aww. countries. Aww. So different people were getting taxis for me, carrying Aww. my bags around. That's so, I, so sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the most of a celebrity I've ever felt because <laughs> these high-end athletes were you're doing yeah, everything yeah. for me, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got completely spoiled by my friends and um, all of the training camps that I had in the middle of that and all of the trips just became leisure. Hmm. with a broken rib, so as much huh. leisure as you can get with that. And I just spend the time loving the officials and getting uh, all of the handshakes done, making sure that they were going to respect whatever happened after the letter came in. And in the meantime, this was very important because in this meantime that I was resting, the Mexican athletes approached me and they told me like, hey, we heard you're competing in the Pan American Championships. That's so cool. And this is the first I've ever heard about. Yeah, I was going to say you oh. couldn't you couldn't compete in Pan American Championships because that would definitely get rid of your uh, any chance of competing for Australia. Exactly right. Yeah. So suddenly I'm like, what? 
Some, I'm not like, yeah. Do you know where the rumour emerged? Mm. This is or, crazy. Okay. We need the suspenseful music. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. We're, 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 yeah. Okay, this is crazy. Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, what? yeah, I'm like, what? Why did you hear that? You're talking crazy. But at the same yeah. time, not saying yes or no, just saying like, oh, what's mm. this new information mm. coming from? Mm. What's happening? You know, what's moving the waves? So then I called my father and he's like, oh, yeah, the president called me. Uh, he's been trying to actually get you for a few months, but I've been just brushing him off and telling him to call you instead of me. Um, but this is the music. This is the music. It's needed. So, yes, yeah, so go said on. the word president. So, that's why. <laughs> yeah. So he told me, um, do you want me? So he told me, do you want me to contact the president and tell him that you're interested? I'm like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> because yeah. like now I have two offers. They both cancel each other. I don't have a solution for any of these offers and I have broken ribs. So uh, will I make it to the Pan American Championship sometime? Will I have time to heal and train? Because, yeah, sure, if you heal, but you haven't trained the last three months, what's the point? And, and you're working so hard to represent Australia. You might, might have also been thinking, is this just a sabotage again? Like, is somebody trying to knock me off balance yeah, by getting me to go to Mexico? Definitely and... that crossed my mind. Yeah, definitely yeah. that crossed my mind. I was like, at that stage of life, you just see enemies behind every shadow. You yes. know, you're like, oh, oh what's going to jump yeah. me next? I yeah. totally get that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm completely uncertain. I don't know what's happening. My father just confirmed this. So I'm like, look, my father has my best interest in mind, so I can trust him. Mm. But what's going on with the president? I definitely should talk with the president in Mexico. And also, if I do the Pan Americans, I cannot do the Oceania. And I just want my place for Oceania. So what's going to happen? So I took sides with Australia. Ooh. Oh, yes. There we go. What? Exclusive. Wow. Oh Exclusive right here. And I got screwed. Oh, <laughs> God. Yes, so I took sides with Australia and then they got sanctioned by the um, uh, International Committee and then they told me we cannot support you any longer. Oh. And you cannot go to the Oceania Championships. <sighs> so basically I came in and broke my ribs, couldn't compete in two very important tournaments that were the ones that were going to give me points after I got scratched up to zero again. Uh, so I lost those points. I'm not going to get points for the Oceania Championships and I'm not going to get points from the Pan American Championships either. So suddenly I am with no points again, uh, just heal, heal from a very hard injury. And, and In, what, what, when's this? This is two. This is mid-2019. So I'm speaking May, June, July, something around those lines. Wow. Um, and I'm like, great, you know, mm. Olympics are next year. Everyone is already in, like, because sure, being in the top uh, 30 is an achievement, but the jump from the top 30 to the top five is still, yeah. you know? So at this stage, I'm like, you know what? There's no way in hell I'm going to make it to the top five. Mm. But there's different selection criteria. So if I cannot access through the... Uh, and I cannot access through the continental quarters through Australia, which were my two main options. I'll have a go and access through Paris. So Paris was the last uh, chance, which was the um, pre-Olympic championship for the last places in the Olympics. And that happened two weeks ago. Um, so I thought to myself, well, if I 
still make it to the top 100 and I'm the best Mexican athlete, I'll be sent and then I'll compete for Mexico and then I'll try and get a place for the Olympics, you mm. know. So I spent the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 trying to get into that. And I made it back to the top 100, thankfully. <sighs> just scratching in, yeah, you know, like... <sighs> At this stage, I just feel like I'm running against all of these doors that are closing, yeah. you know, like in the action movies, and you're just like... Yeah. Oh, no, they're all closing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just got through, just got through. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, good, you know, like, good news, we're in. Um, at this stage, the um, secretary approaches me, the secretary of the Mexican team, and tells me, like, hey, we have this dude that is 2 meters 10, and there's no way he can compete in minus 75 kilos, mm. but you can. So why don't you drop a division to leave your place for him? Mm. And I told them, like, oh, look, we're old, old enough here mm. to know and to speak clear, so are you asking me to drop or are you telling me to drop? Mm. And they told me like, oh, no, you know, like it's entirely up to you, but, but it could definitely help us if you do it. Like we're not pressuring you to do it, but um, we all think that is the best course of action and we could really appreciate it. So yeah. Do us a, do us a favor. Holding a loaded yeah. gun at the same time. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> not, not pressuring you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> not pressuring you, do whatever so you want. after all of this effort, after all of this, uh, the, this yeah. whole journey, and you just you just get yourself into that position again where you're half a chance of getting there, you get tapped and asked to step aside in preference for somebody else. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so they so. weren't asking you to drop weight. They were asking you to drop out. No, they asked me to drop weight so yeah, someone yeah. else can oh, get that place. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 so. yeah. 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 So um, what weight category were you competing at? And so I was competing in minus 84 kilograms, which yep. is um, semi-heavyweight. Mm -hmm. And the problem with the Olympics or the issue with the Olympics is because they don't have enough spots for all of mm -hmm. the divisions, we have mm -hmm. merged divisions. Mm -hmm. So they asked me to drop from that merged division, which is semi-heavyweight and heavyweight, into whichever division is under, mm -hmm. which in karate is minus 75 mm -hmm. kilos. So being 82, mm. I dropped to minus 75. Wow, well. that's a big drop. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I told them, look, let's play it like this. If the neurologist says that I'm gonna, not going to kill myself doing mm. it and I still have a possibility to mm. compete, let's mm. do it. If mm. not, I won't. Mm. And the neurologist said, yes, you can do it, but it's going to be tough. So mm. I'm like, okay, well, let's mm. have it a go. Mm. So, yeah, I starved myself for the next month while training three times a day. <laughs> and um, then COVID hit. Mm. <laughs> Where's the music when we need it? Started by a guy called John somewhere in the Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So then COVID hit, they told us, don't worry, it's not going to hit in Mexico. It's just a weird thing that is happening <laughs> in China and Europe because wow. you know Europe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so don't worry, we'll keep training while all of these Europeans are in lockdown and all of these Chinese. Mm. Yeah, 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 it's just a good news. <laughs> um, as we all know how that story ended. Mm. So no good news for anyone. After, they told me stay in Mexico because I had my flight back to Australia, actually. And they told me, no, 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 stay in Mexico because we'll go straight from here into the um, Paris Championship. And then you'll have to come back because of the Olympic um, camp. We'll have it here and then we'll go straight to Tokyo. Don't yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. So I'm like, God, I'm at this stage. I'm, you know, like paying rent here, paying rent there. Or, yeah. So it's financially stressful, but I'm like, sure, I'll stick around. 
So I remained in Mexico, then COVID actually hit Mexico, mm-hmm. and um, we were all sent back home. I told him, hey, tricky question. Uh, borders are closed. You asked me to stay here. How am I meant to go back home? <laughs> <laughs> so they told me, like, oh, don't worry. We'll make an exception for you and we'll keep some uh, venues open so you can train there. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't happen either. So oh. thankfully, I made friends with another guy from the national team who had a ranch. And he told me, like, look, one of the coaches and some friends of mine, which are all in the um, pre-Olympic team, mm-hmm. were all going to the ranch. And we would like you to join. If you're interested, we can go train there. My father is paying for uh, the accommodation, and we're all paying for each their food. Yeah. Um, and want to swing back. Well, yeah. So I ended up stuck in a ranch in Mexico for three months, training <laughs> with them until that also didn't come to good ends uh, because at that stage of time, and we can hit the music now. So the secretary decided to launch a coup against the president. So this is the Mexican Karate <laughs> Federation. Shit up. <laughs> the Mexican Yay! Karate Federation's secretary <laughs> launches a coup against the president. So you've got your team set, everything's ready to go, you've been training, then the coup happens. Tell, and tell then us, the coup happens. T- tell us how the did the coup, coup The Great Mexican happen? Karate Coup. <laughs> the Karate Coup. The Great Mexican Karate Coup of 2020. Of 2020. Yeah. Mexico. Yeah. So <laughs> basically the president has blind trust on this woman and her husband. They're both lawyers, the woman and the husband. And every time I know eh? (laughs) that that was his first hint, he didn't see it coming. (laughs) So he told me, oh, whatever you need, deal with them. So basically he's giving them all of this power. Um, They're basically running the Federation already, Mm. but they won the title. Yeah. They want the power. Oh, yes. They want the esteem so, and oh, the honor. Yeah. yeah, they want the honor. <laughs> the, the belt. Status. Yeah. <laughs> Walk around like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm in the middle of the training in the ranch, and at this stage, um, hopes are very low because COVID is hitting very hard, and many of these athletes are fairly young. And mm. the other one is a friend of mine who is a drunk. Um, there's an alcoholic oh, she's an alcoholic um, I usually have no problem because you know it's great for the after party but not, not great when you are trying to train for the Olympics Yeah. Um, so anyway at this stage some days I'm the only one training with a coach <laughs> everyone else is drinking and the coach is just telling them you know what who knows because at this stage the Olympics has been already pushed back a year mm. so if mm, you want yeah. to drink drink and I'm like guys <laughs> everyone's given up yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm just complete despair yeah. I'm the only one that I believe I've had lost so much at this stage that I wasn't gonna let you're thinking another year's good because it gives you even more chance exactly right yeah. so for me I'm like great you know like this is probably the breather I need mm. I'm gonna get back on that horse yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so while everyone here is, you know, like, oh, you know, boo-hoo, let's sit down and drink. I'm like, mate, mm. I had another five boo-hoos in the last journey. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a global boo-hoo instead of a Carlos boo-hoo. So, you know, <laughs> you <yoo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. laughs> 
Finally leveling up the playfield, people. Yeah. yeah. Welcome so, to my world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how it feels. I totally understand that. I massively understand that. Yeah, go on. So I'm basically training by myself in the ranch. And occasionally I'm able to lobby one or two of them to go come back to train. And then my other friend is loving them to go back to train. Um, and then one night I come down and the secretary and the husband are drinking with the athletes and I'm not invited because I've already been told that I'm no fun I don't drink. Hmm. I just want to train. And I've been told that <laughs> too. I've been told that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so suddenly I come down like, oh, what's going on? And mm. then they have been drinking very heavily by this stage. Um, very heavily. Like, <laughs> industrially heavily <laughs> and um, the secretary pulls me apart and I'm like you are not part of the people you are not part of my people you have no clue what's happening I can trust these people or I cannot trust you and blah 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 I'm like look you are drunk probably we shouldn't be having this conversation and had the coup like, happened? no 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 this but day. this is oh, the first pre-clue this is pre-coup. the clue <laughs> but this is the clue of the coup this is the precursor to yeah, the coup it, it is a very straightforward Clue. She told me I'm gonna take over the federation. I'm gonna be, be the first Mexican well, president. Really a clue in was a drink drink wow. It's more like a direct statement. Yeah. <laughs> it was a direct statement. <laughs> so in the in this drunken stupor, the, the, yeah, yeah. So she, she's, she's drunk and stupid. Uh, she's telling you her plan, and she's I'm telling me over. I'm gonna take over. I'm gonna be the next president, and I'm gonna basically like screw the president and over. Then you're and out. Screw you over because you're friends with the president. Your father is friends with the president. And then this is the funny thing. She really admires my mom because, as I said, she was the <laughs> But top I like your mom, so I'm conflicted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense if you think that she's drunk. Yeah. So she's like, I hate you and I hate your dad and I hate the president and you're all, you know, like males and you all think you can ruin the sport. And we're like, what huh? are you going on about? You know, yeah. like this is not about woman empowerment, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is about the Olympics, mate. Mm. Um, so she's like, oh, but I really like your mom. It's a shame you're not more like your mom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, she was doing all of this drunk. Oh, and, my God. Oh, yeah. And then she was, like, constantly asking me, like, you taping this conversation? Are oh, you recording me? So she's paranoid as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this was full-on weird shit. <laughs> yeah. So, long story short, she told me, look, <coughs> tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to dismiss this camp. And I want you to be the first one gone. Otherwise, we're going to have a problem and you're not going to the Olympics. I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty serious. She is pretty drunk, but she is pretty powerful. So, at uh, um, this moment, my friend, the one that owns the ranch, and his father are not in the ranch. Oh. So they left to do some business. And I'm alone in the ranch with the other athletes. And these guys, the officials, the secretary and the husband. So suddenly I think to myself, well, pff, I have no point actually being here. No one is training. I've just been threatened. Um, why would I want to stay? <laughs> you know, and my one friend that was actually, you know, like inviting me is not in the ranch at the moment. So I might as well just pack off, go to my parents' students' home because my parents have students there. So I called one of the instructors. He came in and picked me up, took me to his house while things cooled down. So I called the owner of the ranch. I thought, hey, man, when are you coming back? What's going on? And he told me what's going on, what? So I'm like, yeah, this woman just came in and dismissed the whole thing, mm-hmm. pulled it all apart, said everyone fuck off, basically. And uh, I'm just hanging around in the States, waiting to know if you know anything about it. 
I could hear him being, oh my fuck. And he's like, give me a second, I'll call you back. So then I'm assuming he called her and then he called me back and looked at like, he told me, look, we have no clue what's happening. We're not able to come back into the ranch at the moment because we're in the middle of business. Uh, you're more than welcome to stay in the ranch if you want, but have no clue what's going on with this mm-hmm. woman. Uh, so, yeah, you are more than welcome, but do what you want. I told him, like, look, I'm out of the ranch at the moment. There's mm-hmm. no point going back to the ranch mm-hmm. if just you and I, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm also running out of lot money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I moved to the capital city with my godmother and I was there for two months trying to find a plane back to Australia. Mm. And uh, no point going deep into that story. Long story short, I made it back to Australia. She did the coup. And so she followed through. She, she, she followed the through coup. the drunken plan. The coup was Yeah. <laughs> the, the interesting the thing about in. this, she has all of the electronic signatures because she's the secretary. Mm. So she forged a document faking an election in which she gets elected, which is the most ridiculous, absurd plan I've ever heard. Wow. <laughs> because, sure, you can forge my signature, but the moment I see it, I'm going to be like, I didn't sign that shit, mm. which mm. is what happened. So basically, she did that. Then she went to the World Karate Federation and got legitimized as the president. Oh. And then she came back to Mexico. And then shit hit the fan because all of the Mexican... I think the shit already hit the fan. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit is already <laughs> like, just in the building. Yes. Um... <laughs> So then all of the Mexican uh, presidents of the states and the Mexican Federation are like, what the hell is going on? So they're starting to move, they're starting to make, uh, trying to contact her, asking what the hell is going on with you? Like, you know, this is crazy. What are you, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then when they realize that this is actually her trying to take over, then they start putting legal, legal suits in place. And then she starts intimidating presidents and faking federations where she cannot uh, intimidate them. So bear in mind, most of the presidents are my age or younger because they just renew. So there's very Mm. few old presidents that I can actually stand up to her and be like, man, you're crazy. I'm not going Mm. through with that. Mm. So through bribery, intimidation and fake elections, she started putting different people into different places of power to uh, consolidate her power. Mm. Uh, So let's say... You three are the presidents of three different states, mm-hmm. and I come and it's like, hey, um, are you going to support me or are we going to have a problem? And you're like, no, I'll support you. I'm like, good. Are you going to support me? No. Mm-hmm. So Dave doesn't want to support me. Great. I will put Stuart in this place mm-hmm. and I will say Stuart is the actual uh, president of that state. And since I'm the president, everyone will follow through. So then there's a lot of confusion. There's still a lot of confusion in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Half of the athletes that mm-hmm. were in the pre Olympic team are competing in one federation, half of the athletes are competing in the oh, other. Wow. They don't even have a clue what's happening. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so she did that. And then she didn't have the support of the national body. So the National uh, Mexican Olympic um, Committee and the National Mexican Sporting Body said, no, you're crazy. You're not the real president. Mm. We're not supporting you and there's mm. no money for you. Uh, but the World Federation, the World Karate Federation, thought she was the president, so she they would support her and tell the other guy, like, no, you're not the president. She's the president. She came in with a signed act. She's a bit of an expert on this. Oh, she's very clever. Very because, smart. Because even she's... with all of the legal lawsuits, because she's a lawyer, mm. she was able to push them back. So, sure, she mm. will still have to face court. Mm. But Olympics... 
you know, the only thing is it's a race against the clock. So she just needed to push it back long enough. So her ambition in doing this was to install yeah, who her, she wanted in she the wanted, Olympic team. She wanted to install her own people in the Olympic team oh. and charge for the tickets. So she oh. charged 90,000 oh Mexican God. pesos per person, which roughly comes to... $10,000, So if John like had 90 grand to stump up, he yeah. could buy himself a spot yeah. on the karate, yeah, basically, on the Olympic basically, karate basically, team. Basically, basically. But she could uh, go first to John, and if John doesn't want it, then she picks Paul, and then, you know, she could go down mm. by preference and money. And um, hmm. as I said, she's very brilliant and very stupid at the same time mm. because... Mm. She sold all of the places to the people she thought that were going to win and to the people she thought that they were going to give her uh, political gains. Uh, none of them won. <laughs> uh, but she did got some political gains. Uh, but then one of my very old competition colleagues, uh, we were actually together in our first national team. So the first time I made it to the national team was his first time we were together. We shared a room. And he is the best exponent of his own division in Mexico. So he's the best kata player. Uh, they didn't summon him because he didn't pay the fee. But they didn't have anyone else. So they didn't took anyone in that division. They, t- <laughs> they make an official announcement saying they were taking the official team. He was not in that announcement. Yeah. And then to make it even more bizarre, when they made it to, the <laughs> to Paris, they enrolled him. Oh, yeah. And they called him and they told him, hey, you're competing tomorrow in Paris in case you want to make it. So, of course, there's (laughs) no way. Yeah. So, of course, there's no way. And also with the time difference, time difference Paris versus Mexico is against. Because if you call me to Australia, I'm ahead. If you call me to Mexico, I'm ahead. So, they just did that to look good in front of the international committee. Yeah, exactly. So, so very humiliatingly... Mexican flag comes up with the name of my colleague mm. and uh, no one shows up so it's a deserted division so obviously Mexico loses that place and it looks like just he didn't care enough to show up but then the public outrage came out because in Mexico everyone was wondering why they didn't select him for the official team mm. and then when they were like yeah we did here he is and he didn't show up they were like no you didn't mm. here are the screenshots uh-huh. 2021, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you think you're playing with? Like, mm-hmm. you are you are messing up with us. So then, the general public got against her as well. So now yeah. she's oh. yeah, no, no. Now she's facing very. So now the tides turned on. Oh her, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but her still, singing, but, her still but still some confusion within the sport as to how yes. to move forward from here. Yes, because she made all of these fake. So a lot of federations are being oh. unconsolidated, like basically divide and conquer. Yeah, yeah. So everyone is so divided yeah. because she created this division. So between the division and the confusion, people are not quite sure mm-hmm. who. But one is thing running. as a result of all of that, that was very clear and apparent to you from that d- drunken discussion, was that you weren't going to be a part of the Mexican yes. team for as so, long as she so had what any I was, involvement. Yes. So what I was hoping for last time with Doc was the courts to come to terms because if the courts come in and sanction her, Mm. then everything comes back to order and Mm. the normal person comes back to ruling and then the original team comes back up. Mm. But because she was able to push all of this down, she just remained long enough and she picked on her own team and she sent her own team, which, by the way, I kick all of the asses. (laughs) (laughs) The last national championship in Mexico. 
Let's wow. just be very, very clear. Jo- just that. the males, yeah. because I don't fight the females. But yes, yeah. all of the males that went to the Olympics, yeah. I fought with them in the nationals. And um, some of them didn't even have a shot. That is what annoys me. Like, That's really so hard. Mexico. Yeah, it's really hard. I've had team. similar people I've competed against who I've just smashed in, in canoeing, like seconds yeah. in front of who are now competing at the Olympics. That's really hard. And yes. It's, and it's more so, yeah, that's just, yeah. It, there's a real yeah. injustice around yeah. that, isn't there? You know? You know, I'll be I'll I'll be real. Like I thought my story in canoeing was so screwed up. I don't even share all the details with it because I think it's just so insane. It's so another corrupt. episode there. Rory. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I've never felt comfortable. That, yeah. I've never yeah. Well, I've never felt comfortable to share all the details of what happened in canoeing. How screwed up and how little like ridiculous things, like the most ridiculous things, like you know, as you said, like you know this this woman who comes in and does like gets drunk and wants to take over the organization stuff. Very <laughs> similar it. to that, like very similar to that. To hear yours is like even more screwed up than my experience, <laughs> and I actually feel a bit better. Like to, to <laughs> <I'm glad. laughs> I don't mean to take from your pain, no, but no, I mean no. like you know. It's 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 unbelievable to hear. That is so crazy. And it's like and it's like for me, like I was like I never told any of my friends anything that happened in canoeing because I'm like, this is just unbelievable. it's unbelievable. It is. For the for the normal person, it's like yes. this yeah. wouldn't happen if you just go to university and do your <laughs> this, this yes. doesn't happen. People talk about yes. like people talk about co-worker drama. This doesn't yes. happen like yeah. in yes. sport, you know? It's like and Game, then Game when, of Thrones or Yeah, and then I hear this and I'm Game like of Thrones in yeah. It. yeah, yeah, it is. I, mean, I haven't watched, I haven't watched oh. that, but like when I hear your story, I'm like, I can understand I can understand everything and how it would have happened, why it would have happened, like all those crazy people. And it's like, wow, like that's a lot to go through. <laughs> just to try and all you want to do is be a good athlete. That's yeah. what we want to do. You just yeah. want to excel in your sport. Yeah, yeah. we just want to be the best leave a legacy. That's and sorry, and then yeah. this is this is what happens. So. What's uh, what's the wow. situation there now? Well, the situation is I'm writing a book and I like your title. So oh, my title. Game of Game Thrones. Of Sport Thrones or Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, believe, I believe I'm going to write yeah. that one instead. Yeah. <laughs> Sport of Thrones. Sport of Thrones. Thrones of Karate. Of sports. I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I think I'll do something good here. <laughs> yeah. um, working through. And I'm glad you can take off this story because um, I felt the same than you. I'm still mm-hmm. processing a lot of feelings. Mm. I just smile because yeah, that, yeah. that's the best thing I can do. Yeah, but... <laughs> But That's what def- I did too. Yeah, definitely. Look, <laughs> and I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> look, not, not try- balance water. Not, not <laughs> trying to compare this to war because obviously war is a whole different ticket. But you know when they told you about PSTD, <laughs> mm. um, yeah. sorry PTSD. Um, yeah. I have problem translating those from Spanish to English. Yeah. Um, definitely, there's something of that mm. in sport. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I speak yeah. with yeah, 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 like. <laughs> And this is not something you can yeah. process in a year, mm. you know. This is not something that you go to your summer house and drink some cocoa with a blanket and you feel also <laughs> suddenly better. Like this takes time and this takes a lot of processing to, just to be able to share, particularly because this, particularly on my side, mm. and I feel you mm. you are in a very similar mindset. There's a lot of shame related to that, and you don't mm. want to put your sport to shame. Mm. You don't want to admit that mm. all of these great figures that are meant to be role models are actually human mm. and many times even worse humans are mm. the regular mm. John. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, yeah, it, it's only like, for example, for me, karate, mm. and let's make a division, not the sport, karate though, mm. it is about teaching people how to better themselves, teaching people how to control themselves mm. and how to be 
a good community member and how to make your community better because if you are better you can make the people around you better mm. that's what it's about suddenly coming around mm. all of these people in sport who stand not only not for this for for the exact opposite you know just personal yeah. gain and personal power and mm. stomp on whoever you need to stomp to get wherever you need to be mm. it's just heartbreaking it's mm. just heartbreaking to see how much abuse happens in a sport and, and even more heartbreaking when you come from the perspective of unlike, say, track and field events and maybe even kayaking, um, karate is unlikely to come back as an Olympic sport. Yeah. Yes. So there's, the chance of being able to compete in the next Olympics is uh, almost non-existent. Definitely. Um, you know, many people tell you, like, yeah, many people tell you, like, oh, don't worry, next four years, or mm. there will be a next time. And I believe that in some very unconscious level if you are doing kayaking or mm. you know track field mm. or anything that is going to repeat mm. that sort of suits your soul because you're like oh yeah you know like you're right i may have another go yeah but in this case like there's nothing they can tell me mm. <laughs> because when they tell me like oh you know there's always the next time I'm like actually there's not no they're just blank face they just look at me like oh, mm. oh that really sucks no doesn't it? And, yeah, yeah that's it that's that's it it's just mm. it's just a sad story and the thing is sure i am the one speaking about it but I don't doubt for one second that many of my friends and colleagues mm. have very similar stories about sacrifices that just didn't meet ends. I was watching the posts after the championships in Paris. So many athletes are retiring. Mm. Mm. So many of them are in the age of retirement and they were just holding on. But so many are so young mm. and so broken. Mm. Yeah. Like they are so shattered. And the thing is, sure, not being able to fulfill a dream is shattering, but not being able to fulfill a dream mm. because people are plotting against you for personal gains. Mm. Yeah. That is just messed up. Yeah. When, and when I can understand. Play, yeah. It's more difficult to understand. Yeah. I can understand why all of these 23, 20, 19 year old athletes mm. are quitting with tears in their eyes, thinking, I will never come back to this shit. Because when you are, uh, it, when you're encouraging young people to get involved in sport, you know you say you give it your best, and if you work hard, you train hard, you do all the right things, and you've got loads of talent. There's a chance you could be yes. the best. Mm. And it seems like from this story and and from others that we've heard um, that you can do all of those things, and the and you can't really say that to a young child anymore. There's, yes. You've got to have all of that, and then you've got to have the politics on your side, and then you've got to be friends with the right people, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then you've got to have the right type of money and the right sponsor, and and that's, that is the thing that kills the Olympic dream. Everybody Definitely. can handle losing because of their... Uh, yeah, if you're better than oh, me, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'd be happy yeah. for that. Any day of the week, anyone who's genuinely better than me can beat me and I'll be happy. And I would have been so happy and you put it so well there. Like, I left my sport. I left canoeing and I was really good at it. And, and I have to remind myself that because maybe like you, I was made to feel like I was crap and I was, you know, best in Australia or top two or top three all the time from, mm. you know, from my first you know, smash. Okay, not the very beginning, but you know, like from, <laughs> yes. from when no, I got to that level, that, you that was arm wrestling. The, yeah, yeah. But traffic. when I got to that level, I was always there. And it's funny reflecting because I felt like I was shit because of how, because of those those factors. And what you said is, I've left now. I've left that sport for that reason, and I'm doing boxing, which could potentially even become a bit more because it is 
you know, as you said, it's up to perception. But the the thing with boxing is I feel like I'm starting fresh. I can just be me. Yes. I love the sport. Like, I love it. You know, like, it's an art to me. And I feel like even if an outside pressure comes and does exactly what canoeing did to me, at least I've learned how to box, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. also there's, there's, a fight, there's a fighting aspect of it. Yes. And I always thought, like, it was 2017 when things were going really bad at the same year. Maybe it was just the year of corruption mm-hmm. in sport mm-hmm. when things were going bad. And I always thought in my head when it was really bad, fucked up, things were happening. I'm like, I'm going to do boxing. And I actually think part of that was just the feeling of I want to beat I, the hell out of these yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> They're so crazy. I don't understand, like, why don't they just want the best for what's what's in the sport. So you've said it really well there. Mm. Yeah, do you remember, did you see at the last Olympics, there was, um, I think it was an Irish guy and he it was in the boxing, he had a decision go against him where he clearly won the fight and he did this interview afterwards where he just ba- bagged the judges mm. for like five well, minutes. Well, they got investigated. Well, the thing is the, um, the International Boxing Association actually went under the corruption things. It was completely remodeled. I think it's based in Kazakhstan, mm. but it was so corrupt that it was actually remodeled a few years ago hmm. so even coming into the sport now for me i feel like hope there's some hope there but isn't that interesting they had like a complete international board at least investigate hmm. and you don't know how independent those things are but that's hmm. probably what definitely what karate would need and certain federations require absolutely well that's the difficulty like you were saying before with interpretation you know when you can have a, a boxing match or you know mma or karate i guess you know if you've got any when it comes down to a judge's decision and they go, mm, yeah, mm. I think that guy, it's like, well, that's mm. where the, the, the controversy can happen because Definitely. somebody can, can clearly mm. win. Whereas, as you said, with track and field or, you know, say weightlifting or something where there's a clear finish and this person is obviously the winner and there is no mm. second yeah. choice about No allegation. Mm. Mm. And so I would imagine that through all of this trauma, and as you come out the other side of it, and the effects of the PTSD start to <laughs> wane, um, what's what's next for you in the world of karate? Where do you now see yourself if it's not representing Australia or representing Mexico or going to the Olympics, which has been your dream for the last five years? Where do, where what's next for you, Carlos, in in combat sports? Look, it's funny that you mention it um, because. I have a lot of students that have seen my journey and they want to repeat it. So, you But know, with a happy ending. Yeah, yeah, yes, of course. Everyone wants a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, you know, like, I want to be a national champion. I want to go to the Olympics. I want to do this. I want to do that. So I believe I fuel the dream. Mm. And it breaks me mm. to know that because... I know I cannot deliver. Mm. So I have these young athletes want me to help them succeed. Mm. But I know the pathway through South Australia is so corrupted. Mm. They're going to get worse than if they just don't do it. So the thing is, it's come to a point that even my students have been verbally confronted by adults. And I'm speaking a 12-year-old being spoken by an Mm. adult. Mm that is trying to put him down to get to me or to put me down to get to him Mm. in order for, as you said, the club to fail. Mm. And you're like, this is not right. This is not what should happen. So what is next? I believe I could step back away (laughs) from competition for a little bit 
And I will focus more on the essence of karate, which is, you know, teaching your students to be better, teaching the people next to you how to be more in peace with themselves, teaching mm -hmm. them how to develop themselves. And at the end of the day, the real competition is just you. The real competition is against yourself. And I think that is what has helped me gone through all of these um, losses and failures because I, I put in a, a chapter of the book. They forced me to choose between my dreams and my morals. Mm. Uh, wow. Sorry, my dreams and my principles. Mm. And I chose my principles. Mm. So sure, the dream is lost, but you know, knowing that you were true to yourself and knowing that you didn't give up into it, mm. it really helps a lot at the end of the day because you know you remain true to your essence. Mm. And um, that is probably what you can get out of it, you know, knowing that in the face of, of adversity, when everything is against you, you still have the wholesomeness of standing up and saying, no, that's wrong. I'm not going to take the corrupted pathway. I'm not going to take the bribe. I'm not going to take what you're offering me because it goes in the tournament of myself and my soul. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if I could leave the people that are listening to us today with something, it would be that, you know, like it's always the hard path mm. or it's usually the right path, which is the harder one. So... It's very easy to just turn a blind eye and pretend, you know, like, oh, well, you know, it's just for this time. Oh, you know, mm -hmm. it's just for this person. It's just, but mm. tr try to, yeah, remain true to your principles, whichever these are. And if anybody's out there is thinking about discovering the world of karate or um, maybe has children mm -hmm. and heard what you yeah. had to say today about uh, becoming your better self and using karate for good and not evil, um, how is it that they can reach out to you, Carlos, and uh, and perhaps learn more about the craft? I'll definitely give you my details. I'll just make a quick apology for two things. First of all, I apologize for everyone who has tried karate and doesn't like it. I will ask you to give it a second go. And it only, doesn't go only for karate. It goes for anything you're doing. There's good coaches and good teachers out there, and there's crappy ones as well that are writing the good names of sports. So if you're child tries soccer and is hating it, take him to another club mm. before you gave up soccer. Mm. Yes, same thing with karate, same thing with rowing. Mm. Try try through a different venue mm. and then you'll find out if it's the sport or if it's the context in which it's happening. Yeah. The second apology is to the athletes in the Olympics. All of my respect goes to them. They're definitely doing something right. Most of them have sacrificed a lot just because the system is corrupted and the process is corrupted. That doesn't mean mm. they are bad athletes. Yeah. It just means they're caught in the middle of a bad situation. So yeah. kudos on them. Very happy for the ones that are making it. And I wish the best for all of them. We can only have one winner, but mm. you know, I wish for them that they feel realized mm. when they finish the competition and they feel that it was a fair win or a fair lose. Mm. Uh, however heartbreaking this is. And um, you can reach out through me through social media or you can reach out through me through my personal phone. I will always answer messages through that. So I'll first give you my phone. Because oh, no, give, a, give us your Instagram. Oh, no, I want my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you, could get, you don't know our yeah, audience. Uh, my, yeah. my Instagram is <laughs> Carlos, C-A-R-L-O-S, then Maya, M-A-Y-A, -A, Karate, K-I-R-A-T-E. 
We'll put, we'll put all the links in the description. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it all up there. We don't want any corrupt people to No, that's right. Yeah, don't, yeah. 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 <laughs> don't put your phone number out there. Oh, <laughs> so believe me, I know that speaking of this is going to bring me trouble. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep names, real mm. names out of it because it's not about publicly shaming John. Mm. It's just about saying, hey, this bring is happening. And I don't think, just taking the name again, I don't think John is the problem. Mm. I think John needs to realize he's been fucking up. Like mm. He needs to step up mm. to be a better person and mm. to be a better sports leader. It's a culture. It's, yeah. yeah, And it's really hard, I think. I've been in a similar place where it's like talking about it's really hard for a number of reasons. As you said, like even drawing attention to those people, I feel like they should be held accountable. They should be trying to make better for the sport. But if I speak up about it, there are, two, there are quite a few reasons for me not to, but one of them is moving forwards in my sports career. It, it almost could be they could spread bad words about me pretty much. Mm. Yeah, that's Look, pretty much it. The thing, I, I completely agree with you, and the thing mm. is I don't fear for myself any longer because mm. I've come to the realisation, <laughs> to mm. the very peaceful uh, state of mind, which I've done pretty good for the sport. I've mm. outnumbered all of the sporting achievements that I wanted to do. And going back to the family basis, sure, my parents were the best in what they did in the refereeing side, but I've already best them in the sporting side and my sister. So that was originally my goal. You know, it was just a family thing. Mm-hmm. I already did well for that. I already set up to most of the goals that I had as an athlete. Uh, But I have students Mm. that may want to compete. And I don't want to give them any extra hardness because Mm. I've already went through that extra Mm. hardness. I've already went to having people that are going to vote against you Mm. regardless of what you do. So you have to do it impeccable. Mm. So they have no reason to fundamentally corrupt the decision. I don't want my athletes to have that extra, Mm. you know, struggle in their minds Mm. or in their hearts. So, yeah, I just think it's something that is happening and we need to bring light up to it. I don't care about pointing fingers. I just care Mm. about it getting better Mm. for the kids that are coming into it tomorrow Mm. and for the people that are really interested in, you know, like doing it. So it's completely no other option of of getting in for Mexico or for Australia. It's, It's... absolutely dead in the water or there's maybe a glimmer of no it's dead in the water it's hard to hear that (laughs) what a what a harrowing tale and a way to end the podcast um thank you so much for joining us again and thank you carlos for coming along and sharing your story with us and uh Certainly stay tuned. There'll be a whole lot more of these types of episodes. I think we're up for a corruption in sports episode sometime soon by the sounds of things, guys. I so. need a, what a body protection guard for that one. <laughs> we, we can um, all be masked. Yeah. <laughs> Head over to dailycombatnews.com.au. If you haven't already done so, you can hit there. You can register your details, make sure that you're getting alerts, all the latest stories from the team here. Also, jump onto our YouTube channel. Uh, Matt's now in charge of that and making sure all the very best of our content and clips you'll uh, be seeing uploaded there uh, over the coming days and weeks so uh, we'll look forward to bringing you a whole lot more next time thank you you've been listening to the daily combat podcast if you would like further information about today's guest carlos mayacock you can check out his website mayakarate.com.au that's 
maya.karate.com.au. We thank Carlos for joining us today and sharing his story. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups. With a board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience, Real is for real people by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website, urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano, and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at The Daily Combat Podcast team.